Hey friends, welcome to the Life with Chris and Tatum podcast, where each week we'll talk about practical and relevant topics to help you live a life of freedom and purpose. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, please visit lifefellowship.tv. And now let's tune in with Chris and Tatum. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Life with Chris and Tatum. I'm so glad that you guys have chose to join with us today. You know, we release a new podcast every single Wednesday, and it's just amazing to see the growth and uh, the this podcast family just uh, expanding. There's people that are joining with us from all over America and now literally around the world, around 2,000 people every single week. And so uh, if you'll do me a favor and rate this podcast uh, uh, wherever you're listening to it, and if you'd even do us a, another favor, why don't you give us a great comment underneath there, and that'll help us rank higher in the search engines. Now, today, I am so elated for our topic. We just got back like uh, like a day and a half ago from uh, one of the most incredible ministry experiences uh, that I've ever been a part of, and I cannot wait to tell you about this. This is going to be a two-week um, series. We're going to talk about what happened in India and what God did for us in Bangladesh, and it's going to be powerful. Now, today, I am joined by some very special friends that went with me on this on this trip. Before I introduce them to you, um, I just want to, I, I want to set it up uh, like this. Uh, it was back in 1914, and there was a guy named Sir Ernest Shackleton, and he set out on an expedition to cross Antarctica. So he placed an ad in the newspaper for five men to join him in being the first person ever, the first team ever to cross Antarctica. And this is what the ad said, and I quote, all I can promise you is deathly temperatures, hunger, exhaustion, and possible death. Would you like to take a guess at how many applicants he got? He didn't get five. He didn't get 20. He didn't get 50. He didn't even get 100. You ready for this? He got 50,000 men. 50,000 guys said, I would like to be a part of that. And the reason is, is because we love to be challenged with a vision that is greater than us. A vision that is filled with passion and energy, something that is going to outlive us, something that is grand. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So these last two weeks that we've been gone in South Asia, God has birthed something on the inside of me, and I think all of us, really that's been in my, my heart for, for the past decade, and, and that is that we're going to reach the people of South Asia. And so let me introduce to you uh, the, the team, some of them that were with us on this trip. Uh, first of all, my son Nash uh, got to come and be a part. Nash, why don't you say hey? Hey, guys. So excited to share with you what God did. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk about all the things God did in and through, uh, through you, Nash. And, and then uh, my really, really good friend, uh, we've been through a lot together, Eric Marsh, and Eric was with us. And Eric, say, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. We're, we just had a, had a great trip. Um, it's amazing what God did, and we'll get into the details in a minute. And a lot of you guys were commenting in on his leadership principles that he shared a couple weeks ago, and we're going to have to do some more of those because uh, so many of you guys responded back on that. 
And then none other than the the German uh, wonder of the year, Pastor Stefan Klusman. Hello, everybody. This is my first time ever to be in a podcast. I'm a little bit more nervous even to be here than to be on mission trips. <laughs> I love mission trips. I love this to be there and see different cultures. And uh, it's my pleasure to join you guys here today. Now, to, when we went on this trip, we basically had four goals. And I'm going to just share the goals. And then let's talk openly about really what we actually experienced. So we had some expectations going in. So this is both the India and Bangladesh. We wanted to, number one, we wanted to strengthen the business leaders. Uh, we believe that business opens up doors of opportunity to, to fund the gospel and gives leadership. Uh, number two is we wanted to train up these pastors. Number three, we wanted to minister uh, to the people with, with teaching and miracles and seeing people one to Christ. And then number four, we want to strategize the future because we didn't want this to be a one and done thing. We wanted continual impact through through uh, through vision and missions there in South Asia. So let's talk about these here. Uh, this is what we actually experienced. And Eric, you you I mean you just knocked it out of the park talking to all of these. And really, there were top tier leaders that were there. Talk about what happened when we were there with the business leaders. Yeah, one of the sessions that we had, it was invitees from the churches of their lead business people. And they could have been CEOs and COOs and chairmen. They were very high-level people. Really high. And really high. Yeah. And and what we, what we taught on is really a Christ-like model in the business place. As we described, you know, Jesus Christ had 12 disciples. In the business world, they would have been called direct reports. So we began to unpack what Jesus Christ did in, the, in, in how he managed his people. So for instance, he had a very diverse team. He had, you know, Matthew was a tax collector. Mark was a trust fund manager. See, and that and, blows me away that Mark was a trust fund manager. Yeah, and he manages his, his folks, his mom's money, and they were quite wealthy. And so, you know, Jesus starts out his ministry as a business person, you know, before he went to the cross and before he came and and gives his mission statement, he was a carpenter. And if you think about it for a minute, someplace along the line between the time he's born and the time that he begins to um, actually go into his ministry, his father, Joseph, dies. So Jesus, being the oldest son, ran the family business. And it was a big business. It was seven or eight people that he had to provide for. So he understood profit and loss. He understood a lot of the things in the mm -hmm. business world. And we taught on that. And we began to, to really talk about how you have Jesus Christ in the workplace, in the way you build your, your, your company structure, uh, a lot like I did at Vine Energy, um, you know, very much a part of, of what we did there. And we, we, we packaged that up for the business unit leaders in India. And uh, we had we had almost an hour's worth of conversation when we were done, and we had to just literally we had to say no, that's enough, you know. They ask so many questions. Yeah, yeah, it, like, it was great. Your session with them, there you took them to another level. Like it was expanding their horizons, and it was a catalyst for the guys there in India uh, that they said we need to start doing this now every single month. How many guys do you think were there at that session there in India? The one in India was a little bit larger than the one in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. My guess would be 75 people or so. 
Um, and I think, I think in general, the quality of the people were really good because they asked really good questions. I mean, they were high level, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things you see in India and to a lesser degree in Bangladesh are very, there's lots and lots of small businesses, two and three person businesses. How much is the unemployment in India? Oh, it's, I've heard a lot of different numbers, but it's kind of in the 40 to 50% range. Let's think about that, everyone. A, a nation with 40 to 50% unemployment. Let's just say the lowest, it's 40. Yep. But let's just say it's 35. Imagine how many people are doing nothing. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable um, when you kind of think about the unemployment rate there. Um, 1.4 billion people in India. India is almost as large as China. And and because they're growing population wise, and China's saying they'll flat, overtake them. They'll overtake them. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that much unemployment, it is it's really important to get you know people to work in the workplace to give a sense of value to them. There's so many people just sitting around on the streets, and and you know that's not good for anybody. I mean, it was really an an incredible time. And these guys, they again they. The questions they asked, the time that they that they were there, and talk about top tier leaders. I mean, some of these guys are running companies of a half a billion dollars. Other there, others of them were in government uh, positions. There were many high powered uh, executives that were there. I mean, it was. I didn't expect the caliber of folks that showed up at the yep. at the meeting in India there to be there. I, I agree with that. And, you know, Chennai, which is the city that we were in, is about 10 million people. And it's kind of the tech capital of India. It's like the richest city it, of India, isn't it? It, yeah. it is. It is. But I, I would tell you that when you drive around in, in Chennai, you wouldn't know that. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's rich for Indian standards is probably the way to you say You think it. about this. We flew, when we were flying to Bangladesh, we flew from uh, Chennai and we stopped in Calcutta. Calcutta, there's 4.5 million people that live in that city. And the landmass is smaller than the DFW airport. Imagine 4.5 million people in a landmass of that size. They, I mean, people are living on top of each other. Yep, and we see it everywhere. I mean, we, we when we were there, I, we were all shocked by by what we saw, and so we really saw amazing inroads into the business leader community. Well, yeah. I was really surprised when um, Eric, you opened the first question. I think it took a couple minutes. Nobody raised their hand, and then after the first question uh, came out, oh, you were not able to stop them any longer. <laughs> we did. Think, we had to yeah. stop them all. So, guys, we're done. <laughs> we got to. After this this ball kept rolling, and I think, man, they were so hungry, and I think as well surprised that you opened this up, that they actually could have their own question about their business. So that's not only a teaching part, but as well where you were speaking in direct into their business. I think that made a huge impact to them because they opened up and was not only general, you pinpointed this on their business yeah that's true yeah, good and, point and then we spent time we just laid hands on every single one of them oh, that yeah. were there and we prayed god's blessing on their business and favor and god's touch on their lives i mean it was really an incredible moment it, it was for or it, a whole morning we had with them yeah, yeah it, it was and and i really i really believe that god's going to bless them yeah. and they they need a blessing they really need a blessing there they need to expand their businesses and 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 grow and and put a lot of those folks to work and uh and so i'm 
I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen over the next few years. Yeah, because we we believe that ministry happens not just on the weekends in church, but there's a lot of people that you you may be listening right now, and um, you're in the marketplace. And for my marketplace leaders that are out there, your ministry is Monday morning. You live for Monday morning. You live for the work week to... Um, to advance your business, to bring wealth into the kingdom of God, to be a light shining in in the business world, which is really a dark place right now because there's a lack of integrity, a lack of values, and uh, it it was it was, I mean, it was just I mean, it was a, a really incredible time. It was. Now we also though were in um, a lot of churches, so we had basically <laughs> a morning, a, basically a half a day with the business leaders. Honestly, guys, we never stopped. It wasn't this trip where you're going, okay, let's go. We're going to go do a bunch of sightseeing things and all that. It was ministry from the moment our feet hit the ground. No, we planned to ride on the elephant, and actually, <laughs> we didn't even see one. <laughs> we saw cows. Hey, I found this out in India. If you touch a cow, they will kill you. So don't touch the cow. They, no, I asked them. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. listen, if I touch a cow as an American, what will they do? They said, they will, there will be a mob, and they will kill you, because they believe that a cow is a god, is one of their gods. And... They actually, you'll go research it. You'll find videos of people taking showers in their urine, drinking the urine of the cows. Crazy, crazy. Now, uh, Stefan, talk a little bit. Let, let's all just talk here about like our ministry time that we had when we were in the churches. Um, the first thing is for me, I had the possibility. Uh, to speak in one of the churches and now let me just back up and yeah. say this: our ministry was only in one church basically the entire week. They just have a number of different campuses. Mm -hmm. The church runs about fifty thousand people. They have nine campuses, and then out of this church, they've also planted another three hundred churches in that community. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, with a vision to be upwards of of two hundred thousand people ultimately. Two hundred thousand. How, how many talk or watch online? Right now, there's 600,000. 600,000. Yeah. And they have a goal to be 1.5 to 2 million people online every week in service. And, and a typical service would be, in, in that church, would be the lower level would be probably 5,000 people, and that upper room would probably be another. Um, well, the new building they're building is going to be 25,000. Oh, yeah. 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 But right now, those guys are getting in the downtown campus where we, mm -hmm. where we all preached. Mm -hmm. There was, you know... Five or six thousand people in the main level. Mm -hmm. There's another church above that on oh, yeah, another that's, level yep. that had probably another three or four thousand people in it because mm -hmm. it's the length of the church. And so any any given Sunday, and I, and I think the services start early. I mean, they start five, five in the morning. Five in the morning. And so sometimes did they ask you to go speak at five a.m.? Yeah, I, I declined on that one. <laughs> I told him no too. I said, "Talk to Eric. <laughs> Talk to Stefan." I don't think God's up at five a.m. Sometimes, but anyway, I, I, uh, I just would say that the thing I would take away is that and there's another campus where they're going to build this twenty-five thousand uh, person arena that had another church there that set that seated five thousand. You uh -huh. spoke at that one, and another church that had twenty-five hundred. So, it's a huge, huge organization, mm -hmm. um, and we had the we had the honor. All of us had the honor to to preach sermons at it to to their folks. Mm -hmm. So, for me, one of the uh, biggest surprises was as well how 
much they use their their uh, buildings because uh, no matter when you went there, you see there there was always something happening. They had a prayer meeting, they had an English meeting. That they had always a meeting. They were always in use of this facility. In in fact, that the downtown campus is the same place where the Apostle Thomas, the disciple Thomas, the one that, or we call him Doubting Thomas, where he had his ministry set up. That's where he like camped out, was at that location. We went and saw his tomb. It was yep. across the street from uh-huh. the church, yeah. the tomb. It was pretty incredible to think about that we were right there where the Apostle Thomas was at. Now, the services are a whole lot different than ours. Yeah, let us start with the time. Okay. So um, let us think about Wait this. <laughs> So now we are, uh, we always are trained to be on time. Some a little bit more than others. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric, no, wait a second. Tell the story. You got you got to fill okay, that no, in. So everyone so at knows. first, like uh, Eric, he will usually be thirty minutes or fifty minutes early. So I'm German. I'm on time. Okay, okay. <laughs> but this is like thirty minutes early. So the first service uh, was there. Uh, we said, hey, the service will start at six. So now we thought, hey, maybe they will transport us and they will pick us up. So we were ready around about five, I think. We asked when they will pick us up. 5.30 rolls around and nobody is picking you up. I think they started to pick us up at 6.30. And we said, man, this church starts at <laughs> 6 o'clock. So what is going on here? <laughs> so there is the, it was the first big surprise. I think that we actually came in to the service and to the church building was around about seven o'clock. And that was a big surprise for us. It's a, we think we are hour late. Now we are right on time. <laughs> and they were singing and yep. they were worshiping uh-huh. the Lord and they love to worship. And so mm-hmm. once they get going, they, they, they really don't stop them. So mm-hmm. they might start an hour before, you know, we actually get the service rolling, but mm-hmm. they really do uh, worship the Lord. The place was uh, filled with God's presence, uh, great expectation for miracles. So when we got there, we first of all did dinner with the, uh, the founding pastor, Pastor Mohan. He leads the uh, Assemblies of God Global. He's, he chairs the global board there for all churches. He's the one that has the vision to grow the Assemblies of God in the next 11 years from 360,000 people to 1 million churches. Imagine that. That's 640,000 churches to be planted in the next 11 years. And it came out of this guy's heart when he was, when he was praying. And then on top of that, he, um, uh, he, he sits on the board that oversees all of the missions endeavors for South Asia. And then uh, on top of that, then he leads all of India. And then he's got a 50,000-member church in, uh, in Chennai. And so we had an opportunity to do dinner uh, with him and, and to hear his story Uh when he first started the church, you guys remember, um, he, he, he had just begun, and the Lord told him that you're gonna, you, you, this house is going to be yours. You're going to start this. This is going to be the place where you're going to start your services. So the guy walks up to the door of this person's house. He doesn't even know who they are. He knocks on the door and says, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to use this house for, my, uh, for our church services. And it's a Hindu nation. Like only 2% of the nation is Christian. And this guy said, you're out of your mind. He said, no, I'm not. God told me I'm going to use this, this place. And lo and behold, he starts using that place for his first services. And so the thing started growing. They outgrew that. They went to a, um, a larger, what was it? Like a YMCA. Well, they went to the shack first yeah, uh, where the cyclone came through. Yeah, yeah. And it had a thatch roof. Thatch right? roof. Remember that? 
and the Hindu guys said, I've been praying that one of my gods would blow your, your place down because they had about 500 people showing up. And a typhoon came through, destroyed it all. And he said, can you give me some more time to, to be here? The guy said, no, I was praying that this thing would happen. So he had to ask God, God, what are you, you going to have us do? And then that's when they went to the YMCA with a 2,000-seat auditorium, and they doubled, yep. like overnight. And God took the bad thing and turned it around for the good. Well, they outgrew the YMCA. And so then they built this the, the downtown campus where we were at. And after being in there, uh, there was the, what came first, the, the flood or the fire? I think, I think, I think the, was the flood came first. I think the flood came first. So it was like one of the worst floods in, in like a hundred years in, in Chennai, in Chennai yeah. and completely flooded out their building. They, they yeah. lost everything. And then, so they got it back up off the ground and they did it again. And then there was a fire that burnt the entire building to the ground. Yep. And I asked the pastor, remember that? I asked him, I said, were you ever discouraged? Because I sure would have been. He said, no, I was never discouraged. He just said, I knew that every time that something bad would happen, God was going to give us a greater miracle. Yeah, he, t he told me on one of our last days in India, I was just walking around the, um, the mission center with him that, one church mm -hmm. that seats about 5,000 people and it's got all the missionary, you know, um, the names stuff, are on the back. All yeah. The names. And he told me that God told him that you, you build it and I will fill it up. Mm. So no matter how big a facility he builds, he believes and, and God has pr proven in his life that God will fill it up with people. His people will come. And so his vision was this 150 to 200,000 on a Sunday. And he, sa he, sa he, sa he says it with absolute confidence that that will happen. And he's, you know, they're, they're probably just about breaking ground on the, on the 25,000 seat uh, church. But on that same facility, there's another 5,000 seat and another 2,500 uh, seat. <laughs> Plus then they have nine other campuses. And nine other campuses. And then almost, you know, they'll be, they'll be uh, breaking mm -hmm. a million people watching services online here soon. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty incredible to see what's going on. And that is the un that is the largest church in all of South Asia, out of 2 billion people, right there, the most influential church. And he would tell us the reason why is because he prays. They're a praying church. Absolutely. And, and they also, um, he, he talks about there's times where they'll have like morning prayer. Well, they'll do nothing but pray. And people come in for hours and hours and hours and pray. And um, it's it's quite remarkable what uh, what they've accomplished and with what they have, and you know I, I think a lot of people don't realize India still has a caste system, all right. So you're born into a different uh, your your level of life, and so if you're born into the lower caste, which represents fifty percent of the population, you have no hope. You have no hope. None. You 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 have a minimal education. And you, um, but what the really encouraging thing? No access to any kind of. Uh, health or you know, medical treatment or school. Yeah. I asked them the question. I said, what would happen if I took one of these beggars or one of these people that were off the street of the lower caste? And I said, what if I just wanted to be nice and take them into the hotel and just say, I'll buy your room, um, get, get refreshed, come eat, eat you know, dinner here, I'll pay for it. If I would have taken that person into the hotel where we were at, there would have been like a riot. Mm -hmm. Like they would have physically removed the person. Oh, yeah. Because of the cast. Yeah, they can't. You're not they, allowed. They're not allowed.
But you know, fifty percent. What the only thing that they have that is really kind of encouraging for them is that in most Christian churches, and certainly in um, in Pastor Mohan's church, all types of castes worship together as one. Yep, as one. And so you know, in the Hindu groups, they all have specific temples that the upper caste go to and the lower caste go to, but in the Christian church. For the most part, they get to worship together, and so it's a real benefit to them to be able to to associate with um, the upper the upper. The caste. caste is what is keeping that nation in bondage right yep, now. That's right. I mean, it's so demonic when you think about it. it it's basically one percent is ruling everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, it, it. You. I don't even know how to describe uh, the poverty of what we saw. The um, the hopelessness that so many people have in this nation, mm-hmm. uh, but as as well as well uh, creates as well a deep hunger. So what I saw there, people when they came to the church, they were hungry for a touch of God. They were hungry simply to hear from God. I think the the hopeless was their situation as well created a great hunger in the people. They have so many gods, and the gods what they experience, n- no god can fill out the weight or the the hole what they have, or can can bridge the gap of of the caste system. There's only one god, and that is our living God, is Jesus Christ, who makes a difference there. Now, Nash, you went into the slums with uh, Pastor Stefan. What was that like for you? Yeah, uh, before I talk about that, another thing about the caste system that I remember them telling us about is that if you're a Christian, you're automatically in the lower caste, right? Mm-hmm. So you you already become you already are at a disadvantage if you give your heart to the Lord. So it, it really is another level of of sacrifice that when you give your life to the Lord, you're you're saying no to certain privileges. Uh, but to the about the slums, me and Pastor Stefan went. After uh, no wait, tell the story. So you were praying for this lady to be. Uh, she came to you and told you about that she's been feeling like some of the occult or whatever witchcraft in her life. Yeah. <laughs> so the this while we were praying for people at the altar in the in the main service there. Yeah, yeah, in the main service. This was the day before we or the the service before we went to the slums. I was praying for people who needed healing, uh, and there was this lady who was helping me translate. She spoke English. And so she was translating, helping me pray with people. And uh, finally, I, I got to her. She was one of the last people. So at this point, Stefan had come over with me, and we both were, were praying. And then she came to us, and she explained that her mom was in, she was doing witchcraft. Uh, she had some relationship issues. She had pain, and I think it was her kidneys. Uh, she had a lot of stuff going on. So me and Pastor Stefan, we had to leave. So we didn't have a lot of time to spend with her. But Pastor Stefan prayed for her really quick. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. We need, we need to pray for her just a second longer. So then whenever I started praying for her, I called the, the spirit out by name. And whenever I called that out, she hit the ground. And then she started manifesting a demon. And we spent about another 30 seconds. And by that point, Stefan was pulling me away because we had to leave to go to the slums. <laughs> so there's, there, you pray for this lady 
And then there's this demon that manifests, and Stefan says, "It's time to go." Yeah, time to go. <laughs> but the 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 ministry team That's awesome. helped her out. Yeah, there. she wasn't left alone. No. Somebody came and helped pray for her. Yeah. Now you went into the slums. What was that like? The slums. Um, in Chennai, I didn't really know what to expect going in. I didn't know if I'd I'd heard it it would be dangerous, but whenever I got there, it seemed. Like, no, it, it wasn't any different than anywhere else we went. But uh, going in, preaching, it was so cool to see so many people come. Was just, it hot? Oh, it was really hot. It was so hot. <laughs> I was sweating so why much. why it's called the slum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but it, from the moment we, we walked in, just like a whole crowd of people came. And by the time like we... Like, how many people is a crowd? Uh, 60 or 70, wouldn't you say, Stefan? Yeah, that was... like. The funny thing is, how was it? They the people saw us, and we are we are all taller than most of the people there living there in the slum. So they they already saw us that we were walking. Now they and kept saying that white. you you looking. They said that Stefan looks Indian. Yeah, they always say like I look like <laughs> yeah, a the local, native, you know, like a local. <laughs> but I, that happens a lot to me. No matter <laughs> where I go, they say I'm a local. <laughs> so, but this as well opened us the doors that we can go into the slums. Actually, the for us or for me personally. Uh, I looked out from the windows from um, from the church, and you saw maybe it was a mile difference there. Then you saw slums, and I asked, "Is anybody going there?" And they said, "Yeah, we have a pastor who uh, who has a life group there. You know, would you like to go there?" I said, "Yeah, sign me up for this. <laughs> I want to go there." And the uh, time what we got is right after the service. What you heard. And we were still praying with people, and there was already a car waiting outside for us, and we will go and drive to the slums. So when we arrived there, there was like a little tiny room that yeah. is where they live in, where yeah. I was in the little bit bigger than a queen bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we had a chance to go in there. And so Nash and I had a chance to speak to them, and there was people coming and coming and coming. The whole room was packed. Yeah, I think and out the door. Yeah, on the on the all the door streets. on the streets, there were the people waiting simply to listen to the message. Yeah, listen to the message, listen to the uh, to the gospel that God wants to save them. We have a chance to do an altar call there. Mm-hmm. I love to see people from the street that came in and say, "Yeah, I want to give my life to Christ," and then Nash had the uh, the chance to simply to to speak and then ask them who wants to receive prayer. And that was unbelievable how many people or all the, I would say all the 50, 70 people, they all said, please pray with us. Please pray with us. Now, Eric, when you were speaking in the church that was downtown, you gave a call, a call for salvation. Tell us what happened. Yeah, it was, um, it was a good size. uh, It was a Sunday morning, um, a good size crowd, you know, five or 6,000 people in the, in the church. It was basically full. And at the end of it, we gave um, an altar call. And at first, it starts out, you know, one or two people coming up. And the majority of them that are giving their lives to to Christ are Hindu. Um, there's one or two Hindu ladies came up, and then pretty soon, and more. And then pretty soon, the thing just got up. The, like, the so dam broke. And- <laughs> the dam broke, and here it came. And probably 125 people gave their lives to the Lord that day. And, and I, you know that they're Hindu because they have this special dot on there, and then there's that little white paint that they put over it. Yeah, a variety of different yeah. red dots on their on their foreheads. But you know, and then we had the opportunity to pray with them, and and I, I just thought it was it was just really cool what the Lord did uh, in that day because 
You know, the, the services is, uh, are in two languages. They're in English, and then they're in... Um, Tamil. Yeah. Um, what? Tamil. Tamil. Oh, Tamil. 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 Yeah, I said it wrong all the time. Tamil. <laughs> and that, um, that makes it different. You know, it's just hard to communicate very quickly. Um, but once the Tamil message was given... It was just unbelievable how many people wanted to receive the Lord, mm-hmm. and um, and so it was it was quite a. Pastor quite a Mohan told me that seventy five percent of people that come down will continue with the Christian faith, and that's cool. He said oh. because they do follow up. So of the one hundred and twenty five, just in that one service, and we saw that happen in every every one of the services. Yep. And what the people look for that sets Christianity apart is miracles. When they see miracles happen then they know that this Jesus that we talk about is the one true God. And it just, it, it breaks the dam. I mean, all kinds of people start getting saved when, the, when we see miracles. I mean, we saw... So many miracles. So many. I bet you any money in India, we saw 100 miracles happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We probably saw, what, 15 or so, maybe 20 people delivered of demons? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was funny. We, we talked about that. It seemed like uh, a, lot more, a lot more females... Than males, yeah. for some reason, and I don't know why that it is, but mm-hmm. but yeah, there you was... got to watch out for those girls. I just tell you what, <laughs> but it was I'm a... kidding, ladies. You know, I'm because, kidding because so many of the Hindus have they worship idols, right? It's, they have they have a pretty messy spiritual um, baggage that they bring, and so when you do pray for them, you can you can see the sometimes you mm-hmm. can see the demon in their eyes, and and you. And then they yeah, manifest. And they manifest. I saw one lady I was prayed for. She, she, I mean, their eyes rolled back. She started growling. She dropped to the floor, started slithering like a snake in front of me. Yeah, and and I remember one. We were you were, you were praying with this lady, and and she and I I I know you started to cast that demon out of out of her, and she got a hold of you, and I could see out of the corner of my eyes. I was about ten yards away, you know, working with a person, and um, and I could see. Oh my gosh, Pastor Chris is going to get mauled by, by a woman. Yeah, by a woman. By a woman. <laughs> and and I, I thought, oh my gosh, I got to help him. And so she's like, I am not coming out. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 the two of us got, huh? you know, managed to, to um, keep her from, you know, scratching him up. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and eventually, uh, you know, got the demon out of her uh, to start with. And she, she did. Uh, but like most people, um, this church had a tremendous um, uh, opportunity for her. To go to additional deliverance, they had a, mm-hmm. a an actually special place in the church where they probably had twenty or thirty um, little cubicle like rooms mm-hmm. where people could be ministered to throughout the week, where they could be ministered to. So you may not always get all the demons out of a person that day, but if they would follow up on some additional deliverance, they eventually will get will get cleaned up. And uh, it's such a miracle that God. God does that, and you know, as He said in His mission, He He came to set the the oppressed free. That's exactly what's going on, and it goes on everywhere in the world. It's just um, it just really seems to be a little more uh, in India. I remember there was the night that uh, there w- uh, there was the guy that got uh, healed in the service. He had had a stroke, was not able to walk, and God completely set him free, and he got brought up on, on the platform because they will interview all the people that get healed in the service. And uh, this guy couldn't walk, and now he's walking across the platform, uh, had this stroke, 
It was incredible. Or there was the night that we were praying for the people after we after the service was done. They would wait outside of the church. Yeah. Like all kinds down of people. Down the stairs. Yeah, we'd walk down these stairs and they would just mob us. They would grab my hand to put it on their head. I mean, one person after another, it was like a stampede. And I remember there was a lady that I prayed for. And what, right before I got to pray with her, I felt God's presence. I typically feel it in my legs and I'll feel it in my hands. My hands will start tingling. And when I walked up to her, I knew that God was going to do something. I said, what's wrong with her? They said, she can't walk. I said, okay, well, we're going to believe that God's going to do a miracle. And I remember when I feel that sometimes it's like God um, boosting my faith. Because sometimes, you know, you walk, if someone tells, tells you they can't walk, you know, that that's a pretty difficult situation to walk up to. Uh, and I remember I grabbed her hands and I said, in the name of Jesus, start, why don't you start walking with me? And so she stood up and, and she start, started moving and she started crying and crying and crying. I said, do you feel, does she feel God's presence? Could you ask her? And they said, no, she's, she's not crying because she feels God's presence. It's the pain. That's why she was crying. And I said, well, we're going to, we're going to believe that God's, I know God's going to do something. So I kept holding her hands and I kept walking with her. And all of a sudden I watched her legs start moving faster and faster and higher and higher. And I worked with her for about 10 minutes, praying over her. And after 10 minutes, the girl had her legs all the way up in the air. She was walking and now she was crying, not because of the pain, because, but she was celebrating that God completely healed her. And it was just, I mean, Stefan, you were there. You were like video. I said, Stefan, please grab the, the camera and video this because th this is incredible. I have it on my phone. It's the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We saw all kinds of miracles like that. Yep. God God moved in a big way. Uh, bottom line, you need to come and go on a mission trip, <laughs> especially to a third world country where uh, you will come face to face with ob abject poverty. Uh, you will see the miraculous. You'll experience, you know, some of you might be freaked out when it comes to thinking about casting out a demon, but actually that should be commonplace for a believer. Jesus gave that to us, as you were saying, Eric, as, as our mission. Yeah, a third of, third of the people he delivered were, were demons. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, um, he did a lot of it, and greater things than these we will do. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what we're called to do. Now, in, um, in India... Uh, we had a vision, and that is, what is our future strategy? Because we didn't want to just do a, uh, a ministry time there, and we ministered to probably about 100,000 people while we were in India. When you add up the services and the pastors that we impacted, and um, there was uh, 450 pastors in our pastors' conference that we got to uh, spend an entire day. They hadn't been, they'd only been open for two months from COVID. Yep. That's All it. the churches. All the churches. And, two months. And, and, I just want to add one thing in here, uh, Pastor Chris, is Pastor Chris taught on variety of subjects, and there were sessions, so a session might be, you know, two to three hours long, and Pastor Chris would teach on certain things to pour into the pastors from India, and it was well thought out, and it encouraged them, it edified them, and I think at the end of the day, uh, I know you worked so hard at it and worked so hard to give all you had and to these pastors. Um, and and what was cool about it was they received it well. And I think they left a, a lot more fired up than they came in. 
And there were some great teaching, some practical teaching. We taught um, some stuff where we actually taught, um, you know, how to work with the business leaders. How does a pastor actually work with a business leader? How does a, what is the, the whole theme of, of, of the pastor's conference was to dream, to begin to dream again. And, um, and so um, it was, it was casting a new dream, a new vision for, for the church. And I just thought you did a fantastic job of, of delivering that message and encouraging people. Thank you, Eric. You're, you're welcome. And it was, it, it was a trip of a lifetime that, because we got to see so much ministry happen. And uh, I do feel like the guys received uh, it very well. I mean, you could see them. They would come up and they'd show you their notes. They had pages of notes, whether it was written on a piece of paper or in their, in their phones. Yep. I mean, they did that in the business leader gathering. They did that in the services. They did that in the pastor's conference. And we were really praying about, okay, what is our strategy now leaving? Because there's only 2 to 3% of all of India that is, that is Christian, and the rest is Hindu. I mean, it's all, it's all Hindu and, and some uh, Buddhism. And we just really felt after we were there that this church that has 50 to 60,000 people, largest, most influential church there. They have a dream within the next few years to be running 200,000 people. Um, and we want to be a part of partnering with them because they're sending out, how many missionary stuff on? Is it like 172? Yes. Is that what it is? Like 168, 172? Yeah. Over Mission- 150. 150. Definitely, uh, over 150. To the unreached places of India. And there's over 2,000 unreached places in all of uh, South Asia. So this is a mission-sending organization. And so we as Life Fellowship, we're going to be a part of vesting into and bringing more uh, from a financial standpoint, from a team's standpoint. Uh, and I want those of you that are listening, that there may be some opportunities in the days to come for you to, to be on one of these missions teams to, to be there. And it, it'll light your fire. <laughs> it, it, it'll do incredible things on the inside of you. Just like I think it did all of us. Yes. I, I was really impressed to see from this church how hardworking they were in India. When I saw the pastors there, um, that they, really, they didn't really take, take it lightly to do aftercare. I said they were as pastors assigned simply to, to call back. And they said, we will do, we go the extra mile to do the aftercare. And that they took it serious enough to work on this, to pray for them, take time to pray together, lay hands on them. And I think that is one of the things what gave me really confidence as well to working with people together. They have this and they have this excellence of say, hey, we, we want to do aftercare. We want to ad- advance the kingdom of God and we don't take it lightly. Eric, what's one last thought that you had on well, I think, India? Well, I, I think for those listening, um, you know, the last, the last two things that Jesus said was to go out and make disciples of all nations. And, you know, the real word is ethnic groups. So make disciples of all ethnic groups. And India represents about two-thirds of the unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. And that means they don't have a Bible. They don't, they don't have communication. They don't have a, a church in the area. They don't have a chance to really get to know the, the gospel. And, and that has to happen before the end time can come. So we still, as a church, as a collective church, have to reach these these folks, um, you know, in these unreached groups, and and so part of the reason I think we we 
could partner with Pastor Mohan's team is because they have so many missions tr- already on the ground trying to reach these people. And I think it's an important important point is that this is this is the last thing Jesus told us to do. Mm-hmm. Go out and, and and do this and and so it is part of our mission as Christians. Yeah, and they they do it with a spirit of excellence. Absolutely. And that's uncommon in a lot of churches there. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is just kind of, you know, fly by the seat of the pants. You get there and every chair is in a row. Everything is managed mm-hmm. just perfect. I mean, it's just like Ooh, these guys speak our 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 language. They have our culture. They have our DNA. And that's why I felt like there was a great connection with them. And uh massive vision, probably one probably one of the biggest visions I've ever ha- heard in my life is coming out of the uh, out of Pastor Mohan. And uh, him and I, we connected. Like, there's some people that you get with that you're you're not necessarily connected with, but other people, man, you just line up just perfectly. And we had we we laughed. We had so much fun. Uh, he actually even translated for me for one of the services. I asked his staff. I said, "Does he translate for other people?" They said, "No, he never translates for anybody." <laughs> and he's had the biggest of the big out there. And. Uh, I just thought, man, that's just the grace of God that's connecting us to this man there. When you when you said fun, I got reminded on one thing. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Chris asked there on a pastor's conference. Hey. While I was teaching, I asked my interpreter. <laughs> so he was teaching about this. Hey, you need to have fun with your team. And so then the uh, the, uh, the guy who simply translated this and it starts to be a little bit. Was that awkward. Split? Awkward. <laughs> and then Pastor Chris simply looked at him and said, tell me, what you guys doing for fun? Hmm? <laughs> the answer was praying and fasting. <laughs> and I don't think that that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. He clearly said that for yeah. fun, that's what they do. So I'm going to do that fast. here. I've already told my team, I said, there's a lot of things we're going to implement from, uh, we're going to have fun, guys. I haven't told them what that means yet. You guys know. <laughs> uh, I think there's fun, and then there's praying and fasting. And uh, I've fasted, and it's not been fun. I don't. I don't think I associate fun and fasting, even though they both start with F. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey everybody, India was fantastic. Um, honestly, to talk about everything that happened in, like, there was probably 15, 20 services that were that happened between all of us. Uh, in there for an entire week. We just can't even do it justice to talk about it. All I'm going to say is this, that God is doing a great thing in India, that the church of Jesus Christ is alive around the world, and that they are. there are people that if you were just to meet them, you would see people of immense, uh, immense uh, dedication to the call of God in their life, willing to sacrifice everything that they have to advance the gospel. And a lot of times we in America, we... Uh, it rains. We think, oh, I don't know if I want to go to church, and uh, I, I don't know about you know honoring God with you know whatever my my sacrifice or whatever. And these people, when they give their lives to the Lord, they give everything. And um, I was I was just um, once again reminded of the Great Commission and of, of how important it is to reach those that have been unreached. And so, praise God for all that he did in India. Amen. 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 Well, hey, everybody. I hope you uh, learned a little bit on this on this podcast. I would challenge you to pray for the people of, of India. 
And I cannot wait to share with you what God did in Bangladesh, a nation that only one-third of 1% are Christian. I think next week is going to shock you. Okay, so be with us again next week. God bless you all. Bye-bye.